Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to another episode of Top 10 Tottenham. Thank you so much for joining us again. So glad. Thank you all for your feedback. It seems these shows really re- resonated with uh, many of you. Today we have a wonderful guest who's been on the Spurs show many, many times. Comes with a football pedigree. A TV producer who's produced shows including the recent Sensational, the Homin Sun documentary, Sporting Greats for BBC One, uh, Euros, which are going on as we record, Euros Most Shocking Moments for BBC Three, uh, also the Footballer Years, that great series on Sky One. Uh, and currently doing stuff with Ra- with Gareth Southgate. Raise your game with Gareth Southgate. And he also did the well-received 40-year virgins, a show about Arsenal supporters. Uh, <laughs> Danny Fenton's here. How are you, Danny? Hi, Mike. I had to, to get that in. one in. Cheap gag. Cheap Brilliant. gag. It could be Tottenham, <laughs> couldn't it? Not winning a trophy. Exactly. The Gareth Southgate one, when, when is that? Is that what, out or coming out? Um, the Gareth Southgate one's out, out now. Um, and is available on YouTube. That's a YouTube show. Yeah, it's a YouTube original to coincide with uh, with the Euros. But funny enough, um, in Zigzag's history, we we made Gareth Southgate's first ever TV show, which was called SOS Southgate on Sunday, and he used to do a goals roundup for us with Channel Five on, wow. a, on a Sunday. Yeah, That's which I reminded him of when I met when I met him. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Very, very obscure. Actually, it's funny, you know, you're talking about the shows we've made. One of the, you know, the great pleasures of being um, a TV producer is to meet your heroes. And, uh, you know, I've made programmes with and filmed with the likes of Ardiles, Lineker, Mm. Hod, uh, uh, Ginola, Teddy Sherring, Manson. So it's, yeah, I've got to meet a lot of them. That's nice. And you bit could you bit sort of childlike a bit like Julie Welsh on the first show when she met Blanche Flower and she's like, I used to see you play. You're a bit like that when you've met them and you would have worked with them professionally. Yeah, one of my one of my first jobs in TV, I worked on a, a football show called Standing Room Only. Yes, and I remember the, that. And the first um job I was given as a researcher was to go and interview Ozzy Ardiles. Oh, really? And I remember just how nervous I was. And <laughs> he was upstairs having a shave and they let me into the into his living room and I was sort of pacing up and down. And then when I started interviewing him, he realised what a train spotter I was and that I knew every <laughs> single fact about his life. Uh, we slightly freaked him out, but then, you know, it was, uh, 
yeah, that was that was my first meeting of a hero. Obviously, not, wow. not all meetings of heroes go as, as well as that, but yeah, it was a great, it was a great one. Roughly, what year was that? That was nineteen ninety-two. So, right, I'm thinking before he became manager. I think just before. Yeah, just before yeah. he became manager. Been, yeah, how funny. Right, well, you've got some great picks. I mean, this show almost could be subtitled "The Crying Game" because, <laughs> uh, as as we will find out, there's quite a theme to uh, crying in this. The first one, and I think this was the same season that I, I can't remember when I, I went first game, either 72, 73, 74, I can't remember. But your one, what a uh, extraordinary first game, away to Woolwich in 1973. It finished one all. The great Martin Chivers got the goal. We took the lead. And uh, for those of you that may remember, let's remind ourselves of that goal now. Gilzine, a glancing header and a glancing header too by Chivers. Pratt right up there. Chivers to Peters and now for Chivers and a great chance. And that is it. That is it by Martin Chivers. For Tottenham. While Spurs are delighted, remembering they were beaten at White Hart Lane by Arsenal. A nice one too, put Chivers completely in the clear. And from that sort of position, Chivers makes no mistake. What are your memories of that one? How did you end up going to Highbury for the first one? So weirdly, um, although my, my dad is from Tottenham, uh, born and bred, he he was never much of a football fan. Uh, weirdly, in his older age, he's become more of a football fan, but he never really wanted to go to matches. We had some family friends uh, over who were Arsenal fans. And my dad said, oh, you know, he's a, he, he, my son's a mad Tottenham fan. And they said, well, we've got the North London Derby next week. Would you like to come to the game with us? So I remember, you know, and bear in mind, I was six, six years old, going along. And um, when Chivers scored, I jumped up and fell over the back of my seat in the... And all where of the where were you sitting? Fans, you were sitting with the Arsenal fans. I was yeah. sitting with the Arsenal fans. And all of the Arsenal fans around me were absolutely disgusted. But because I was a six-year-old kid, they couldn't really do too much about it and then you know sadly uh we um we threw away the lead not yeah. not not unfamiliar and then held on held on for a draw but you know from that point onwards I was uh yeah fully committed and when did you then start going to home games and who took you then if your dad wasn't really into it um <clears throat> well it's, it's interesting so because my dad wasn't really into it but because his family were all from Tottenham and Tottenham supporters my uh his cousin um, used to start taking me to games, but it was very infrequent. And I remember, um, you know, the 77, 78 season when we were in Division 2, my cousin would often ring up and say, oh, you know, would, would Daniel like to come to the Bristol Rovers game today? And I'd be like, <laughs> and I'm like yeah, Dad, can I go? And like, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. And then we'd win 9-0. And, uh, you know, so I've got all these memories of games that I could, I could, I could have gone to that. That I didn't. Um, but that season, the only game I did go to that season was uh, was Coventry at home in the League Cup. Right. That was October the 26th, 1977. And uh, this is one of your top 10 moments. We, we, we lost. Why did that go down there? Because it was your... Was this your first game at the lane? Um, it, it would have been my first game at, at the lane, but also 
Bear in mind, we were a second division team and Coventry mm. were first division team. Yes, that's team. right. It was a big game. So, I remember the so time. So we were, we were the underdogs. Yeah. And um, John Pratt hit this incredible volley, I think it was, from outside the area into the top corner. And I just started crying. I just don't know why, but the emotions overcame me. Like seeing Tottenham in the flesh at White Hot Lane and, and seeing him score from distance, um, not even realising that that was probably pretty rare for John Pratt. And... Uh, of course, we then, we, we then went on and lost the game, so it, it was it was it was a disappointing result, but for me, a very memorable moment to see my first live goal at, at White Hart Lane. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, your third pick was a game that I mean, I I went a lot this season, um, mainly the home games, and this game I remember there was no chance of my dad taking me. There was no chance of even getting a ticket. It's incredible. I remember seeing. A while back, somewhere, some news footage of this, but nothing is really, from what I can see, is cropped up on YouTube. And I'm talking, of course, April the 29th, 1978, Southampton nil, Tottenham nil, the point that got us promotion. What was your memory of that that, that game? It's funny, I mean, within my top 10 moments, there are many moments where I wasn't at the game, but I have a distinct memory. Um and then, as I say, the, the, the defining thing for my top 10 moments is moments that I cried, which were pretty much all of my top 10 moments. And I cried when we got relegated, uh, when we lost 5-0 to Man City the previous season. And I, I'd actually come back from um, a cub camp and I didn't know the score. And I asked my mum what the score was and she gave me a newspaper. And I remember running off, looking at the newspaper and realising we were relegated. Wow. And then the following season, again, as I said, I only went to that one game against Coventry, um, we actually went to the Bolton home game, got there and found that it was a sellout. And we, you know, we couldn't get in that day, uh, which I think we drew to all. And then um, the last game of the season, I remember following it, you know, listening on my radio. And then on final score, they said, we're going live to the Dell. Um, And if I remember correctly, a draw was enough for us because our goal difference was better than Brighton's because we'd been, you know, because we'd won nine nil against Bristol Rovers. And Steve Williams hadn't read the script and hit hit the post in the last minute because the draw was enough for Southampton as well. They would go up as champions with the draw, and we would go up third above Brighton. And I remember they cut to um, the Dell, and all the Tottenham players were on the balcony, sort of celebrating. Yeah. And I just like that's what I remember seeing. I yeah. just started crying. Yeah, me too. That, that, that's, I, again, I, I, I remember, I must have been listening somewhere. I don't know if what was the equivalent then of BBC London, GLR, was it? I can't remember, maybe GLR, I can't remember it was in the late 70s. I, I, I remember listening to, maybe it was the same bit. I remember, I don't remember listening to the whole game, but I certainly remember, it must have been the same, the last few minutes. And I do remember... It was either David Peach or Tony Funnel hitting the post and thinking, oh no. You, funny enough, subsequently having the pleasure of doing the Spurs show and speaking to Spurs players who played, they basically, well, because I've asked them because it's such an iconic game, they sort of said, basically, tactically, we were told by Keith, any kind of defensive midfielders, defenders, don't cross the halfway line. We did not go forward. We we, we, we looked for a goal, but we did not cross the, the halfway line. And this game... Is so important the history of Tottenham because if that shot went in, there'd be no Aussie Ardiles, there'd be no Ricky Villa, there'd be no FA Cup final win. 
subsequently there'd the been a Keith Berkshire probably would have lost his job. Such a huge game, huge game. I, I totally agree. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was a it was a defining moment for for Tottenham. Yeah, as you say, Hoddle probably wouldn't have stayed. You know, if if, if we'd uh, if we'd stayed down. So um, that felt massive at the time to be back in mm. the big time. And then, obviously, your, your next memory is is a memory for everyone. Uh, I'm obviously talking about the '81 FA Cup game. Let, let's 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 listen to uh, the, the, the first game which we were at, and uh, let's remind ourselves of still one of the bizarrest goals ever. Our goal, ten minutes to go, Hoddle free kick. Let's listen to that now. Ten minutes to go. Is he going to float it in for the? strike force on the far post or will he try and chip Corrigan from here and that was Hoddle oh off Hutchison it's in Tommy Hutchison has scored at both ends if you call it an own goal Hoddle will get the congratulations from Tottenham but it went in off Tommy Hutchison oh how cruel cup finals can be What was your memory of this? Had you now started going? You're now a little bit older now. Were you going to a few more games or? Not really. I mean, I was, right. um, <clears throat> I was 13, you know, I'd had, had, had my bar mitzvah and uh, was desperate to go to the final, you know, and, and I listened to one of, you know, your, your other top tens and they were saying, I think it was Paul Coit saying, you know, up until that point, we'd never seen, you know, Tottenham in a cup final. And, and weirdly, this was one of the two games that my dad went to in, uh, you know, in, in my whole time of supporting Tottenham. The other one was an Easter Monday against Coventry City, um, where it was quite sunny. And he took his shirt off and lay back and sunbathed and didn't watch the game. And the, the Man City Cup final, he got tickets to the first game. And I remember that the angle that I was watching from I thought Hoddle had bent the ball around the wall ah, well, at absolutely. such an angle that it was like just the most sublime free kick. I hadn't realised that it was a Tommy Hutchinson own goal. And also remember that game at half time that my dad was actually quite enjoying the experience of, of going to the game. And I thought, oh, maybe he'll come to more games. And he said, you know, do you want to get some refreshments at half time? So we went to go down the stairs. And the Tottenham fans were all urinating down the staircase because they couldn't get to the toilet. And he said, "Oh my God, these people are disgusting." And he, and he never he never came to a game that again after, after that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> sadly, and I wish I knew what I knew now. I didn't prepare myself to get tickets for the replay. So you know, we'd got the tickets for the Saturday, but there was, we hadn't really thought about the Thursday. And you know, being 13 years old, I hadn't really got the wherewithal to work it out myself how to get, get to the game. So I remember watching it at home on TV and, and you know, and even now when I watch the Ricky Villa goal, I get shivers. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. That, and we'll come on to it, but Tony Parks is safe. They always give me the shivers. But the most amazing story about 81 
is, and maybe my dad felt guilty that he didn't take me to the replay, is that on the day um, they brought the cut back to Tottenham Town Hall, I begged my dad to take me along to see it. Are you still are you still living in Tottenham now? Or have you moved from Tottenham? No, no, no. We were living in Essex right, at the okay. time. So right. I begged I begged him to take me to. Um, to, to, to Tottenham Town Hall for the for the homecoming, and um, he said, "No, no, no, we've got to go to um, a funeral." <laughs> so <laughs> I was dressed up in a suit and tie and a, and a rain mat. We went to this funeral, and then on the way back, I said, well, "Hang on, where are we going? We're not. We don't seem to be going back to Essex." And we drove down Tottenham High Road, and there were, I mean, I think they they said there were half a million people, but it was unbelievable scenes and my dad drove up to the gate and this tells you a lot about my dad and he said to the um the steward oh i'm a councillor on uh, on tottenham council i've got you know i've been invited to the reception and they let us in and we, and we went up into the room and the players came in with a cup and i met wow. all the players and i had my photo taken with our dealers with crooks um but the most amazing thing of all which says uh again a lot about my dad is my dad was on the balcony when perriman went out to lift the cup to all the fans and even now when you see photos it was on the news that night my dad is standing next to steve perriman as he lifts the trophy to the half a million spurs fans outside that is extraordinary what an extraordinary bit of chutzpah it was. To, to, to get, to, but did he know what time they were doing that? Or did you just happen to show up at that time when there was a reception going on? I have no, I have no idea what, how he planned it or whether it was just luck, but we turned up at the appropriate moment. We... And no one asked for any kind of ID. Where's your invitation? Oh, my son's with me. I mean, obviously the euphoria probably this year probably couldn't get We were dressed in suits and ties. You were dressed in suits for the funeral. Oh my we God, of course. the funeral. And and he convinced the steward that he worked on Tottenham Council, and yeah, we were we were in the inner sanctums when the, the inner sanctum when the players arrived, and we were on the balcony. Well, he was on the balcony. So this would have been which balcony would this be? This would have been where exactly? Uh, uh, Tottenham Town Hall. Uh, the town hall. Uh, yeah, on, right. on, on on the high road, just off the high right. road. Yeah, yeah. So just wandered into the town. That's incredible. Yeah, it was absolutely that was, incredible. That was one of the best days of my life for sure. Wow, what a great story! What a great story. Um, well, the next memory you you, you lose it to it slightly. Uh, Nineteen eighty four, the UEFA Cup. Um, we, we've had on the show a lot the, the Tony Parks save. Let's remind ourselves of the build up and then Graham Rob the build up to the goal and Graham Roberts getting that equaliser. Let's listen to it now. Well, they get it home, Falco, and it might come through. Turn there for Ardiles, and he's hit the crossbar. Roberts, he's done it. One one. What a sight, and what a sound. And Roberts, the captain, has made it. One one for Spurs after Ardiles had hit the crossbar. Anderlecht breathed again and thought they'd got it away. There are only six minutes left. Back it comes again, and suddenly, stumbling through, 
with a beautiful touch at the finish, Graham Roberts has made it 1-1. Brian Clough. I can't believe that. I can't believe the situation. Ardilly should have scored quite easily. And he didn't, and you're dead right when they just relax momentarily thinking they'd escaped. And across it came. So what was your memory then, Danny, of, of, of the 84? Were, were you there that night? Luckily I was there in 84. Um, by this stage, you know, it was 17 and I was going with mates. And right. Did I you remember, get a season ticket at this stage or were you just showing up I, going I early? Did, I didn't have a season ticket, but I, I somehow I managed to get tickets and... As you will remember, it was a phenomenal night because whenever does a team get to play, I was about to say, whenever does a team get to play a European final on the home ground, but England might get to do that this weekend. But whenever does a club team get to play a European final on a, on a home ground? And a lot of people sort of, even now, sort of forget it was two legs, you know, that, that we drawn the first leg one all. But I remember we, we were standing on the shelf um, on the lower tier and we were at halfway line. And by the end of the game, I was at the corner flag and I hadn't walked. I hadn't moved. But it was so packed and you just got moved along by the, by the, by the crowd. It was just an unbelievable experience. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, surely we're going to win this. And then when they scored and you could hear a pin drop and you thought, surely we're not going to blow this. And then when our dealers came on and he had that chance and he hit the crossbar from like... From literally two yards. Two Extra- yards out. Extraordinary miss. Extraordinary and I, miss. And I think the time between him hitting the crossbar and Robert scoring was probably like a minute. But it felt like the longest minute because all your hopes were dashed when our dealers hit the ball. You thought, we're never going to get a better chance. Mm than that miss by It was Adelis. actually the same move. It got recycled. It hit the bar, they cleared it, and the Anderlecht defenders relaxed, and the ball, I think it was Hazard, was, was wide, and he whipped the ball back in. And Falco, if you look, Falco kind of pushes the defender. I mean, probably now VAR, one could argue there was a push there, no goal. That's but how re- crazy but what, it was. But what I, what I remember from the night is the strength of Roberts. He was just oh. so determined. He rode the stumbles, challenges. Stumbles through. It was phenomenal. And obviously when, you know, when Park saved the penalties, as I say, it gave me shivers. And that's the moment that, you know, will always be, be iconic. But without the Roberts goal and, you know, and the Ardiles hitting the bar, that, that for me was the, turn, was the turning point. You know, we, mm. if we hadn't scored, we wouldn't have got the penalties. Yeah. No, absolutely. It was an ex- extraordinary night. Extraordinary night. Well, look, let's go to a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be doing Danny Fenton's final five on Top 10 Tottenham. And we're back from the break. Um, what I like about your next pick was, uh, I think we've had one other guest so far from memory has, has alluded to this. I'm talking about another great glory, glory European night. 1984, Tottenham 4, final to Hoddle versus Johan Cruyff. Let's remind ourselves of the Hoddle Masterclass again. So a corner to Spurs with Chris Hewton supporting. Feyenoord have pulled plenty back. This is Hoddle. That's a fine ball. And here's Hewton and a chance in the middle for Archibald. Who's having this rich vein of form, Steve Archibald. And he was on hand there. 
A good goal worked by Tottenham and Hoddle's pass bisecting the defence. It put Hilton in behind them and Archibald got ahead of those two defenders, Nielsen and Trost. Looks rather as though the Dutch plan for Cruyff to mark Hoddle in midfield is misfiring somewhat. Hoddle appears to have the edge early on. He played the 1-2 there with Archibald and got it back. There are four waiting in the centre here for Tottenham. And that's Galvin! And it's 2-0 after 19 minutes. Tony Galvin this time. But again, the instigator was Glenn Hoddle. He saw the situation here, played the return with Steve Archibald, got in behind them once again. And there was plenty for him to aim at in the centre. Goalkeeper may have hesitated slightly, but Galvin, frankly, was unmarked. And it's 2-0. Mabbott, Hoddle again. And again, he's forcing them to back off. And Falco's in there, turning Dutes. Good save by the goalkeeper. Falco again. Can Mabbott squeeze it back? He can to Archibald. 3-0. And two for Archibald. And Feyenoord pulled apart once again. Hoddle so anxious to take over, so keen to eclipse Cruyff tonight. That's a fine ball and Galvin's through again. And it's four. After 41 minutes, the Spurs fans see Hoddle lay on another goal. He's had a hand in all four, and that was a perfect through pass. The man-to-man -man marking system destroyed, and Tony Galvin going through to finish. What was your memories of, of this one, Danny? It's interesting, this one, because I think if any, anybody who was at that game, the Spurs Feyenoord match, remembers it as the greatest ever Tottenham performance because it was such a complete performance and Hoddle was hitting these 40-yard passes with backspin that would drop in front of Tony Galvin as he was running through or, you know, Archibald or whoever, you know, he was trying to pick out. And if I remember correctly, we were 4-0 up at half-time and I just thought, that, I remember just at the time thinking, this is the best I've ever seen Tottenham play. And if you'd, you know, if you'd, I suppose, lived through the 70s and the relegation and everything else, that just felt like the pinnacle of, of, of Tottenham. And I remember, um, as I said, you know, I've been fortunate to work with a number of Tottenham players over the years. And I, I, I was working with Garth Crooks on a project. And, uh, and funny enough, my brother brought out the picture of me with him in the Tottenham Town Hall with me as a kid, which he, <laughs> which he found very, very uh, cute. But Garth Crooks said to me that when... Um, that when Maradona played in Ardila's testimonial, he knew all the Tottenham players and they were all very like flattered. Like, how do you know who we are? We are. And Maradona had said to Garth Crooks, but you're the great Tottenham team. You're, 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 you're the Tottenham team that I love watching. And so I thought, you know, for Maradona to say that, that, that Tottenham team was, was total football and hodl that night. And I think because it, Cruyff was playing, he was, you know, probably slightly past his sell by day, but because Cruyff and a young Rude Hullet were playing and they were, and they were so hyped up. Um, and the fact that Tottenham played them off the park, just always for me, even up till the modern day, stands as the best ever Tottenham half I've ever seen. Of course, we let two goals in the second half. But, the, but then we went, we went second leg and we beat them either. I think we'd beaten 2-0 two two there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was phenomenal. No, it was, it, uh, you're right. For anyone that was, was there, it was an extraordinary... Extraordinary performance. Uh, this next performance wasn't too bad. We're, we're going um, seven years on. 
Um, and again, this is in probably 90% of people's top 10, and, and rightly so. I'm talking about 1991, that semi-final against Arsenal. Uh, let's remind ourselves of that goal again. Mavrit has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Seaman got his hands, couldn't hold. Spurs have the lead. Paul Gascoigne, the scorer. What was your memory of, of, of this one now? You're now uh, uh, an adult. Yeah. Uh, going um, to Tottenham regularly. Go, you're going home and away <clears> at this stage. Uh, I, I actually was going home and away, but I, I, I still didn't have a season ticket at this point. I was uh, I was a student, uh, just, just coming to the end of my studies. And um, I'd come up for the game. I'd, um, <clears throat> I'd missed the Portsmouth away quarterfinal um, because I couldn't find my ticket on the day of the game. Notts, was it Notts County, wasn't it? The course is Notts County. Oh, was it Notts County course or was it the fifth yeah. round was Portsmouth fifth, when, when, when Gaza yeah. scored two? The weather, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, I couldn't find my tickets. So I was gut- gutted about oh. that. And then for the, for the Arsenal semi-final, bearing in mind, I think that, you know, Arsenal were unbeaten uh, in, the, in the league and I think they'd lost in the League Cup to Man U that season. But they, they'd only lost once all season and they were on for the double and we were pretty mediocre. I think Gaza had actually come back from injury for the semi-final. That's right. So they they weren't even sure if he was going to play. And we got that free kick early on and I was right behind it. And as it went in, I just burst into tears. I just, (laughs) the emotion of it was just, was just too much for me. And, and, and everyone I was with was thought it was bizarre that I just started crying, but, um, (laughs) and my wife finds it amazing. The only thing that makes me cry is football. There's nothing else that makes me cry, but I, I was overcome with emotion. And, um, after the game, we went back to Finchley road and we were, in my mum's Toyota, which had an electric roof, and I was standing up with my Tottenham scarf as my brother drove down Finchley Road, hooting his, hooting his horn. We got pulled over by the police, and the policeman came out and said, look, what you're doing is illegal, and you're very lucky that my colleague is actually an Arsenal fan, and if he, if he was the one talking to you, you'd be, you'd be cautioned now. Now get back in the car and go home. Well, my memory of after the game was just singing that we beat the scum 3 1. Yes. We beat this 3 1. We beat it's just extraordinary going back all, down Wembley Way. Oh, also, which says again, probably a lot about me as a person as a personality. I came out of the ground and rather than walking straight to the tube station, I walked all the way around the ground through the Arsenal fans <laughs> to, to celebrate because I just wanted the wanted the pleasure of it. Um, and it's interesting, I mean, you know, I've picked the semi-final over the final, which mm. um, obviously, you know, it was amazing to win the final. After the final, we went back to the Globe Tavern in Baker Street and, and we, yes. we, were actually, we were actually dancing with, I can remember dancing with the Forest fans to all together now by the farm. 
And um, someone then said, Oi, you know Gaza's in the hospital around the corner, which was the Princess Grace. I was there too. On Baker Street. I went too. So I went outside quite drunk and started singing, singing to Gaza. Me too. From outside the I was probably in the same bit. Yeah, me and Danny and Simon Greenberg, old school friends, we were also somewhere, might have been the Globe, can't remember. And again, we went Princess Great because obviously we knew at this stage he was going to go to Lazio. He got the injury. We all felt awful that he he, he, he got injured. And I remember very drunkly being out to the Princess Grace Hospital in Marlebone singing Gaza Don't Go or, or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, there we are. Things we did. <laughs> Similar things we did. I know, I know. It's uh, a nice memory. Now, the next one... Uh, Extraordinary. This is the last time we, we've lifted a trophy. Uh, League Cup final, 2008. Let's remind ourselves of that Jonathan Woodgate winner. Gina's playing it in. Woodgate! It's in for Tottenham! They've come from behind and Spurs lead Chelsea! Boy, Jonathan Woodgate! in his career and he got a break in front of goal at Wembley quicker to the ball and Beck Petrojek saw it coming Woodgate got on the goal side of the Chelsea defence came back perhaps off Petrojek go down as a goalkeeping mistake but bravery by Woodgate only saw the ball only saw the ball comes back off Petrojek's hands onto his head and into the net so why does this one go down your top 10 Tottenham? Obviously, because it's the last time we won a trophy. Um, I think a bit like when we played Arsenal in the semi-final, no one gave us the chance because Chelsea were you know, a predominant force at the time. Um, I th- you know, I think the other reason it always sticks in my mind is I started crying at the final whistle and my son, who was eight at the time, who's now 21, turned to me and said, in bemusement, and said, Dad, you know, why, why are you crying? And I said, if you've been through all the misery that I've been through in my life following Tottenham, you'd be crying too. <laughs> and um, he now looks back at it and says he wished he'd been crying as well because uh, he's never seen us win a trophy since. Wow. Amazing, isn't but it? But did feel, it felt, I mean, we were lucky. You know, that goal was a, quite a lucky goal, but... Um, we played well that day. I mean, I thought yeah, we, were lucky, we, we were lucky to go goal down and then I thought we played very well. Certainly deserved to beat them that day. A very, very good Chelsea team that should have won the yeah. title that season although, as well. Although, ironically, from my memory, we played even better the year later against against Man U and, you know, where Lennon ran ever ragged and yet we lost on penalties and, you know, that game's totally forgotten. But yes, winning a trophy against Chelsea is always a memorable moment. Mm. Now, your your penultimate memory, this is a great one. And I think I told, I can't it might have been the Jeff Pope one we did, uh, which, which should be out probably before the, people hear this one. I think I regaled my story uh, of this. This was a top 10 moment, not even a Tottenham goal, not even an actual goal. I'm talking about that extraordinary moment in Manchester when Raheem Sterling's goal was disallowed. Let's listen to all that right now. Ricochet that favoured Deli Alley, and now Tottenham can play their way away, although I don't think they're going to hold it for too long. 
given it away here to Aguero. Aguero with a chance, Sterling with a chance. Here's the moment. Oh, he's done it! Raheem Sterling for Manchester City, right in the death. What a moment for Pep Guardiola and the Manchester City players. Pochettino cannot believe it. Tottenham have given absolutely everything. Hugo Lloris has crestfallen. And Manchester City look like they're heading into the semi-finals of the Champions League after an absolute classic in the Etihad. It's absolute heartbreak for those Tottenham players and Maurizio. They had the chance to clear it, they decided to play here, Eriksen. Got to get rid of it. They're checking for a potential offside during the goal. And it is under review. I think it's the Aguero moment. When he gets onto the ball, is he offside? When he picks up the ball there, is he offside? Well, Tunate Chakir is listening to Massimiliano Irati, and it's been disallowed. They disallowed it? It's been disallowed for an offside against Aguero. Oh, my God. Oh, my word. Cannot believe what we're seeing. I'm speechless. Well, so are the Manchester City supporters. Pep Guardiola can't believe it. The switch of emotion inside the stadium is unbelievable. I mean, Maurizio Pochettino had his shirt over his head. Let's bring in Peter Walton quickly, Jermaine. Peter, have they got the right decision there? Absolutely correct decision. In the uh, attacking phase of play, Aguero was offside when he receives the ball and therefore the goal should not stand. Wonderful to hear back. I mean, extraordinary moment. Talk us through where you were and, and how that unfolded for you. I think this may be my, my number one Tottenham moment of all time. Um, and I was there with my son and, you know, we were, we were holding on <clears throat> at the end of the game and we were going into time added on and they were attacking and you know and being a Tottenham fan you always fear the worst and as Sterling put the ball in the net both myself and my son collapsed to the floor literally lost the power in our legs dropped to the ground holding our heads it felt like an eternity it was quite a warm, muggy night, and, and we'd, take, we'd had jackets with us, taking them off. And I turned to him and I said, put, put your jacket on, we're, you know, we're going. And we got our jackets on. Now, fortunately, we were right at the back of the stand. My brother actually was in the lower tier, and he'd left. He'd actually left. <laughs> he'd walked straight out. We started walking down the stairs. And as we got halfway down the stairs... We saw on the screen, it said VAR review. Now, bearing in mind that that was quite early on in the days quite of VAR. Yes. We didn't yeah. really know what, you know, we didn't. And certainly I hadn't seen anything that made me think there was anything had happened that had gone wrong. And then the next thing I saw, I saw the referee sort of point for offside. And I turned and there were people standing by me. They started jumping up and down. And I just stood there like a guttural cry and I just started... Tears started pouring down my face, going, yes, yes, yes. Because that never happened to Tottenham fans. And in the space of 
let's say it's two and a half minutes, I went from the lowest I've ever been as a Tottenham fan because everything had just gone wrong to the highest I've ever been as a Tottenham fan. And it was just like a total emotional roller coaster in that two and a half minutes. And even then you thought, well, I bet we're still going to throw this away. And I think, was it Lamella sort of, or somebody tried to overplay it and rather than put the ball out. Um, but it, was Ericsson, such, it was Ericsson who gave the ball away for the try to dribble, yeah. just booted it, trying to dribble past a few players. I, no. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this previous show, but I'll, I'll tell you because yeah. I was in Israel because it was uh, April time, Easter, whatever. I was in Israel. We booked to go out with friends that night. Who was a football fan? He said, don't worry, Mike, where we're going, there'll be screens, fine, fine, fine. As we drove into an underground car park, the game, they were late, typical as Raiders, they were late to pick us up. So the game started. I've got it on my SkyGo VPN. I've got the game on my phone. As we go under the car park, finding a parking space, and then walk up out the car park, I missed the first three goals. We're like two, I mean, how can we two one up? But literally, because this happened so quickly. Went to this restaurant, no, no, um, no screens. So I go and watching on my phone. We rushed to another bar, nothing. And that's when I say, I'm really sorry. Sorry, I know I haven't seen you for a year. I have to go back to my hotel room by myself and watch the rest of the game. And like you, when that Sterling goal went in, I lost the use of my legs. I fell down also on the floor. Like it was the years and years of the misery of watching Spurs cock it up encapsulated what I literally the legs turned to jelly and I was like again why do I support this team why do I put myself through this and uh, whatever and again like you only just noticed what's the ref doing what what how how and just that thing that thing that finally like Basil Forty says we're winning I'm alive finally Finally, the first time in my life, I'm a, I'm a success. It was just extraordinary, and and I think it's very fitting that having that feeling, we then talk, we then bring in because they're almost these two clips moments as a Spurs fan kind of go together. Amsterdam going through that whole emotion again, even more hopeless because we had even more goals we had to make up. Uh, and we'll never tire of saying, let's remind ourselves of those last couple of minutes in Amsterdam. Batista licks away. Ben Davis with a tackle. Here's Son. Sissoko. Here's Deli Alley. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! I cannot believe it! Lucas Moura with the last kick of the game! The Ajax players collapse to the ground. Tottenham Hotspur are heading to the Champions League final with a goal that we just couldn't believe. <laughs> Jermaine Genus is speechless. Absolutely speechless. And so is everyone inside this stadium. I can't believe it, Flick. <laughs> Referees have a look at the watch. I don't know where he's getting the time from. Here's Sissoko. Get in the corner. Down he goes. The full-time whistle! It's glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur! In the most amazing Champions League semi-final that most of us have ever seen. Even Harry's ankle's looking all right all of a sudden. 
History made in Amsterdam by Mauricio Pochettino and his players. It's the greatest night in Europe for 35 years since the days of Hoddle and Ardiles, and maybe the best of all time. It's what Champions League dreams are made of. It's a night these players and supporters will never forget. Tottenham Hotspur have come to the Netherlands and reached the promised land. Where were you? Did you manage to get tickets? Were you out in, in, in Holland? So we, we were out in Holland, and I know you said previously that um, there was no point going because there weren't going to be any tickets available. And I had one, I had one ticket, which was uh, in my name. Because you have a... You, I mean, for, for those of you that don't know, Danny, at home and away, you've got a lot of loyalty points. You do go to every single game. You and your and you and your yeah, son. Yeah, I have. I, I have. I have been to 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 to, to most of the games, but for, for the for the IX game, I had one ticket, and there was myself, my son, and my brother. And right up until about an hour or so before the game, I was going to go to the game. So and then, did, so also, so all three of you travelled, knowing that only one of you was going to go, yeah. and the other two would watch it above. <laughs> Well, we, I think we were convinced we would pick up a ticket or somebody somehow would find us a ticket. But the longer it went on, obviously, it was clear that that, that we wouldn't. And I think um, as uh, I became more medicated from visiting different <laughs> establishments in, in Amsterdam, I made the emotional decision that I'd rather my son oh. went um, than I did. And therefore, I you know I'd stay and watch it in a bar. It was, with like, my it was like it was like passing on the baton. It was like passing on the baton, and he didn't he didn't um, think twice about snatching the ticket from my hand <laughs> and running <clears throat> running off to the stadium. And um, so my brother and I settled down in this bar, which was full of Tottenham fans. And obviously, we were two 0 down at half time. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. We were two so we were two 0 down at half time. And I was feeling quite, I was feeling quite pleased with myself because I was like, "Well, I didn't have to go through that misery," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm nice and comfortable in this bar. <laughs> and my brother said, um, "This bar's cursed." I went, "What do you mean?" He went, "We're not going to. We can't stay in this bar. We, we're going to have to go to another bar to watch the second half." Really? So we were okay. Well, <laughs> let's leave. So we went off, and we started walking around. We couldn't find another bar to get into because they yeah. were all like. They or were full. all packed. Or probably full with Ajax fans, presumably, yeah. at this stage. Oh, they were. There were, lo- there were loads of Ajax fans and, and loads of Tottenham's. And we're like, oh, bloody hell, we can't, we can't find anywhere to watch, watch the oh game. Oh, my God. And eventually, we found our way back into another bar. Um, just about the time we, we, we pulled a, a goal back. And then we, we watched it in this bar. And uh, even when we... Was there many it, Spurs fans in this bar? Yeah, or mixed? it was mainly. We, right. we were in we were in a room which was just all Spurs fans, but we had to sort of squeeze ourselves into this back corner of of the bar. And even I remember when we equalised, my attitude was, "Oh well, at least we haven't embarrassed ourselves. At, le- at least the plucky spirit." That's of Spurs. pretty much the most Tottenham felt. We're, 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 humi- yeah, we're not yeah. humiliated. We're, yeah. We, yeah, we've made an effort. We've yeah. given them a game. Yeah. And then I remember seeing all the IX fans, and they were like, you know all cheering and blowing their hooters. And Don't whatever. worry about a thing, the Bob Marley exactly. song. And, yeah. and then we scored. When Morris scored the third, and I, I just burst out into tears. I mean, it was just the emotion of it all. And my brother was going mental. And then we went to um, 
to the train station to wait for my son to come back with all the Tottenham coming back. And the weird thing is, is that if people ask me, you know, oh, were you in Amsterdam at the game? I feel like I was in Amsterdam because well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and, I feel, and I feel existentially like I was at the game, even though, even though I wasn't. So it's probably like my biggest ever regret of you know, a game that I had a ticket for that I didn't go to. And, um, and my son, you know, to this day still sort of taunts me that, you know, he, he went and I didn't, but it, it, it was the most amazing night. And, you know, and both in, both in Manchester after the quarterfinal and in Amsterdam after the semifinal, the camaraderie of the Tottenham fans and the parting on the streets. And, and actually I have to say the, the generosity of the City fans and the Ajax fans who didn't didn't really take umbrage of the fact that we won. I mean, the City fans sort of wished us luck when, when we beat them. Um, both of them, both of those nights were just phenomenally memorable. And and I have to say that I loved the final. I mean, I, mm. everything but the, yeah. the game. It, it was it was just an amazing experience to to be there and to, and to see Tottenham up in lights. To to, to you know to. I hadn't realised what it would be like, but a Champions League final is it's like a World Cup final or it's like a global event. Yeah. To see Tottenham up there on, on, on the billing. The with, flags everywhere and the, the Tottenham fan zone this way. Like, it what? was phenomenal. Boiling hot. It, it was, was phenomenal. Ut- utterly surreal. Yeah. I, I spent, you know, we, we did a show in Madrid in the afternoon and I remember just wandering around, just going, this, 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 we're not, this is not for us, this kind of thing. Yeah. It was yeah. just incredible. Just it felt, we, felt we'd arrived and, you know, yeah. obviously, sadly, the, the, the game was a massive disappointment, but you can't take away from us that run. And I think the fact that we beat City over two legs, the fact we beat Ajax over two legs in the way that we did almost makes that run, you know, special even though we didn't win it. And it will never happen again now that UEFA have got away, got, got rid of the away goal rule. That's true. Which, to, to me, was a wonderful thing and... I presume put in was to make teams go out and try and get a goal away from home rather than shut up shop. And for some bizarre reason, they decided all because pitches are the same quality and blah, blah, blah. blah. We're not going to have that anymore. So we will never have that kind of feeling again, which is bizarre. It's a real, real shame. Um, We're going to continue this chat for those of you on Patreon. Uh, You can subscribe at patreon.com slash Spurs show to continue a few more questions for Danny but for now Danny thank you so much for your top 10 top this is a playback media production get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net sports social podcast network Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.